Everyone, remain calm. Yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello and welcome to the 129th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we have some details on the Iron Studios Jurassic Park model in the news section. Then we're going to be heading to Site B to discuss some of the thoughts and concerns surrounding the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom trailer with Slash Film senior writer and podcaster Ben Pearson. He'll give us a little bit of his industry insight into the marketing and some of the concepts tied to the trailer. All right, well, that was a quick intro for once. We've got a great episode for you, so why don't we start this off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. Eighteen minutes and your company catches up on ten years of research. Access rate program. Access security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head being right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. Via Jurassic Outpost, we have a few details on the one-tenth scale model for Jurassic Park, uh, the breakout set from Iron Studios. We've been talking about this piece for a few weeks now. It was recently revealed at the Comic-Con in Brazil. Um, this, This entire set is so detailed, so huge features everything you'd want from the breakout set. Of course, the T-Rex, it's got Grant, Malcolm, Lex and Tim, it's got two explorers, it's got the ground with the track that these cars run on, footsteps in the ground, the fence, the concrete, uh, even plants or trees, it's crazy. This thing is so insanely detailed and now we have the uh, prices that are available for these items. Now, in their article on the Outpost, they do mention that it is available worldwide with only distribution in the U.S. currently undetermined. So, uh, take that as you will. But, starting off here, it looks like set A, which is the left side, uh, featuring fence, plants, uh, destroyed explore, Lex and Tim, plus a T-Rex, is looking at $1,199.99 USD. Uh, set B, which is more the middle and the right base, uh, the, uh, let's see, the fence, more fence and plants, the Ford Explorer, Alan Grant, and Ian Malcolm, same thing, that one is $1,199.99 USD. Um, if you want the Ian Malcolm art scale, one-tenth scale, uh, that is $89.99. Alan Grant is $89.99 as well. The T-Rex, I guess, itself on a custom base is $649.99. And uh, a Ford Explorer, is same thing, one-tenth scale, looks like that's going to be the same, $649.99. So there you have it. There's all the details. These things are incredible. Like, I'm looking at the pictures now on the Outpost, and uh, they've even got all the detailed stuff in the back of these Ford Explorers, the maps, 
that container that uh, you know they grab the flares from it's incredible so much stuff here and decent prices you know some of those are a little bit more expensive for the full sets if you wanted both those pieces that's gonna cost you a lot but if you wanted just the figures themselves it's not too bad you know you could pick those up pretty easily if you want to find out more information and see more pictures head to the link in our show notes <laughs> A little update here for everybody who's a box office geek like myself. Star Wars The Last Jedi has bounced Jurassic World to the number three spot on the all-time opening weekends list. Back in 2015, Jurassic World came in with $208 million, uh, securing them the number one spot at the time. Then Star Wars The Force Awakens came in, beat it by quite a bit with $247 million. And then this past weekend, uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi came in, slotted itself in the number two spot with $220 million. Congratulations to Star Wars, Lucasfilm, Disney, everybody over there. And uh, number three is not too bad for Jurassic World, so that's pretty awesome. And uh, I'm super excited to see uh, where Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom falls in here. I'm not too sure if it's going to do um, better than Jurassic World, but it'll be interesting to find out. If you want to take a look at those figures, head to the link in our show notes. Oh, there it is. There it is. Thank God for Site B. Site B? Yes, Site B. No force on Earth or Heaven could get me on that island. Site B, don't worry. Yes. I'm not making the same uh, mistakes again. I'm really. Okay, so there's another island with dinosaurs. No yes, fences. Site B. And you want to send people in? Yes. A very few people? Yes. It's not a research expedition anymore. It's a rescue operation, and it's leaving right now. You this cannot can land on this island! This is Isla Sorna. Site B. Yes. Uh, we're on Isla Sorna, and we need to find... We need to talk to the boat. Site B. No, the lady. Enough! Wrong frequency. Here we are again, back on Site B. I do see a little bit of smoke billowing off in the distance. Might be the direction of Nublar, so hopefully everything's okay over there. But today, here on Sorna, we have Slash Film senior writer, who's been known to write a Jurassic article or two, Ben Pearson. How's the island treating you, man? Hey, it's it's going great. The weather's surprisingly nice this time of year. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I'm a little worrisome about whatever's going on over there in the distance, but uh, we'll stick to this island for now. Everything should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got a question for you. This is a question that I... Uh, uh, well, actually, before we get into that, I'll just kind of let everybody know. We're going to talk about the trailer today. Um, I don't know, not really spoilers per se, but whatever is in the trailer, it's safe to talk about. Uh, might expand on it a little bit here and there, but we're going to talk about that, our reactions to, you know, stuff like Universal's marketing and uh, different concepts from the trailer and stuff. So if you don't want to hear that, you know, tune out, but uh, that's what we're covering. But like I said, uh, ben, I do have a question for you to start out. I ask everybody this question. So if you were stuck in a kitchen with a velociraptor, what would you do and would you make it out alive? Oh, God. Uh, I would definitely die. There's no <laughs> way I would I would get out of that alive. I would uh, – I'd probably try to – hide in one of the cabinets but i'm like six one so there's no way i would <laughs> yeah. fit i would be knocking over uh <laughs> pots and pans making all sorts of noise i think i would last all of about 45 seconds yeah that probably sounds about right that's what most of our uh, our guests say so it's a tough situation man i i don't know if i can make it out but i like to hope i would but uh chances are pretty <laughs> slim those kids got pretty lucky 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So I guess before we get too deep, um, I know you didn't have it on your top films of 2015, but uh, what are your thoughts actually on Jurassic World before we get too far? Yeah, so I um, was watching the. I remember specifically walking into the screening of Jurassic World and thinking, "There's no way this movie is going to be great," <laughs> and being pleasantly surprised by by the film. I thought uh, I was a big fan of Safety Not Guaranteed, which was Colin Trevorrow's um, indie debut, and I really like Jurassic World. I think um, you know, especially I know the movie has like a I think it's a seventy two percent right now on Rotten Tomatoes, okay. so it's like pretty well liked. Uh, but in the critical community on on film Twitter, as it were. Um, <laughs> The movie has uh, suffered an immense backlash, and I know that it's like it's not cool to like Jurassic World right now. Um, but yeah. I definitely like the original movie, or <clears throat> not the original movie, but you know the 2015 movie. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I thought that the um, I thought it, it's it was way smarter than people gave it credit for. I think because it, it's basically to me, it's a movie about. Um, about blockbuster filmmaking and i don't know if you guys i'm sure you've probably touched on this at some point in many of your episodes uh <laughs> yeah, going way there's back a lot. But, there's too many <laughs> but the the idea that um you know bryce Dallas howard's character saying that nobody's impressed by a dinosaur anymore and, and consumers want something bigger and all of that talk just sort of um struck me as a metaphor for the way that uh you know, blockbuster film culture has been built up over the past few years and how it's all about spectacle and all that stuff. And I thought the movie sort of grappled with that in a, in a pretty compelling way. Um, I, I still think the original Jurassic Park is my favorite of the series, but, mm-hmm. um, but I thought it Jurassic world was about as good of a sequel as fans could have, uh, hoped for at that time. Yeah. You know, they had a lot of work to do and I think they did, uh, you know, an admirable job, uh, admirable job getting that thing up and running and hitting all the right notes that they needed to hit to kind of strike a chord with uh, a vast audience. You know, they don't just have to adhere to like the major fans like us here on the podcast, but they have to hit everybody, all the the demographics. And I think they did a great job. And you're right, man, the uh, film Twitter is kind of out of control with with the hate. It's it's really yeah. it's really crazy because you ask people, you know, people that are just fans of movies or, or just just watch movies. And the general consensus is it's it's fun. It's a good film. But yeah, if you if you follow film Twitter, if you just like you know, uh, uh, search on Twitter something like Jurassic World bad. You get some really like crazy out there tweets, and <laughs> yeah, it's it's not fun to look at. And a lot of that backlash is is due to Colin Trevorrow too, which is is funny because like like you said, Safety Not Guaranteed uh, was was pretty high, highly looked upon, and uh, people really liked that. People were excited about Jurassic World, and somewhat excited when he got announced for Star Wars. Not really, but. Um, then just you know backlash hit and it was downhill from there and i don't know where yeah. he stands at the moment but you know a lot of drastic fans still look at him in a in a good light yeah yeah for sure but uh you know so after the trailer was released you wrote a, a great article breaking down the trailer frame by frame so uh let's dive in here what are your thoughts on the fallen kingdom trailer so I, I want to preface this by, again, saying that I really liked Jurassic World. And there were some observations that I made about the Fallen Kingdom trailer that um, make that, that I feel uh, hopeful about. But overall, I honestly like wasn't super crazy about this trailer. I thought it relied a lot on CG when all of the talk that I'd been hearing anyway from Colin and, and the other filmmakers 
had been, um, you know, there had been such a, a focus on the idea of practical dinosaurs in this movie and how they were really going to, you know, shift. Um, and we didn't really see that in this first trailer. Obviously, this is a trailer that, you know, we're still months and months away from the release. So there's definitely uh, plenty of time for them to sort of shape the narrative and, and sort of course correct a little bit. But I, I do think um, for them to come out of the gate with a, a really CG heavy trailer like this sort of, um, I guess, uh, it goes against a little bit of the messaging that they had had been, you know, <laughs> spending all these months this past year or two uh, yeah. sort of putting out there. Um, there were some cool moments, but just generally, that's sort of what I thought about that. What, what, what do you think? You know, I, I'm a huge fan and I obviously loved it, but I do agree. I, I think um, some of those aspects are definitely true. I, I just couldn't get over how excited I was and just the anticipation and all, you know, that buildup was insane for that trailer. It was like more yeah, than any yeah. movie I've ever seen, which is weird. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I loved it. And those those uh, few images that just really stuck out to me, you know, Brachiosaurus on Main Street there at the Innovation Center, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Rex roaring and stuff like that. All amazing shots. I love the aspect of the volcano. I think that's a really cool idea. Very retro, um, you know, old school dinosaur, you know, tale in a way. Um, yeah. But you're right, man. The the reactions from film Twitter and some actually just general audiences have been pretty bad. I mean, a lot of fans love it, but some don't even. Some fans, some big fans. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I actually looked around. I was trying to find out what people didn't like. So I did a lot of searching. It looks like you know, a lot of people harp on the fact that it was badly edited, which I I kind of agree there. Um, I think, uh, it, you know, they say it gave away too much. Certainly agree. But there's a lot more that they haven't talked about. And actually, yeah. a lot more that they actually showed in stuff prior to that, which is funny, prior to the trailer. Um, a lot of people saying dumb action movie, Michael Bay of di- uh, with dinosaurs. <laughs> Wow, that seems a little harsh to me. <laughs> because, was you know, quote. like I, I liked Jurassic World and I thought it was like, you know, dumb, but in a, in the best possible way. Like yeah. uh, not not uh, a movie that insults your intelligence by any means, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, kind of like a cheesy fun, like, you know, a harmless uh, kind of fun a summer blockbuster action movie, which is like exactly what it was intending to be. And a, yeah. a lot of times, um, you know, people forget that to, to sort of judge a movie based on its, uh, I mean, of course you have to judge a film based on what it actually is, but you also sort of have to take uh, intentions into it a little bit too. You know, if it, you can't necessarily judge a movie like Jurassic world on like the same uh, sort of platform that you would something that's like very clearly going for, you know, trying to win Oscars that year, <laughs> yeah, you know, like there, there are definitely, <laughs> Um, uh, levels that you have to sort of consider. But getting back to the the Fallen uh, Kingdom trailer a little bit, one thing that I really, um, that I noticed in particular right off the bat was that scene with Bryce and Chris in the bar. Uh-huh. She's wearing a Henley shirt that looked a lot like uh, the shirts that he was wearing in Jurassic World. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool uh, costume wardrobe touch because it, it sort of indicates, it, it hints a little bit at the, re- the relationship that they had in between uh, Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom, which we know has sort of splintered, basically, because of, of where we pick them up at the beginning of this trailer. But um, I thought that was a cool little touch. You know, she was very uh, prim and proper and, and you know, dressed uh, in management style in Jurassic World. And in this movie, she seems a lot 
you know, better equipped for the job at hand. Um, so that was a cool little, uh, detail that, you know, is not really commented upon, but is just something that I thought was sort of thrown in there for the fans a little bit. Yeah. You look, they, they had a lot of work to do. Like I said, um, they had to, uh, you know, fix a lot of the backlash from Claire's character. You know, mm-hmm. she is a lot deeper of a character than people give her credit, but on the surface, you see this person and you just, a lot of people criticize her, you know, for what she's wearing and, you know, the shoes and all that. So they had a lot of work to do to say, look, she's different. She's not, she's not the same character. She's changed. And uh, actually, somebody I was talking to, I think it was this guy, Carter from the Lost World, is his uh, Instagram handle. Um, he said something like, um, She's essentially John Hammond, you know, and uh, he went from capitalist to naturalist in just four years, you know. So Hmm. that seems a lot like um, what her character is attempting to do here. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't really considered that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're obviously in the first movie trying to reflect John Hammond a little bit because of the whole, you know, wearing all white. That's what John Hammond was doing. And Mm -hmm. uh, now I guess they're trying to ground her a little bit more. But uh, yeah, so and actually a lot of people say um, it's kind of doing the uh, the Force Awakens bit where it's repeating a lot of. Um, well, in this case, it's repeating a lot of the Lost World. You know, people criticize the uh, the Force Awakens because it uh, copies a new, the new. Oh, man, I'm getting these titles all mixed mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> a New Hope. It you know it copies that a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't think so. But uh, this, yeah, on the surface, it definitely does. Um, a lot of people just said the trailer was bad, and I didn't know how to expand upon that. You know, yeah. people just tweeting, "Oh my God, the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom trailer was bad." And I'm like, hey, could you give a little bit more context? I'd love I'd, – I'd actually just love – I don't want to criticize them. I just want to know what what is bad about it because right, there right. are certainly things that could be bad about it. And that editing um, – I don't know if you noticed that at all, but it's like I don't know – I cannot follow a timeline in that, that trailer at all because there's, yeah, there's and, volcanoes and, think, and all um, other stuff. I think it, they've said that it's supposed to be like footage that's just from the first 57 minutes of the movie. Right. Like, yeah. I think Colin tweeted that. So, so it's, it seems like there's a lot of creative uh, licensing being taken <laughs> with the footage that we're seeing there because they don't want to exactly lay it out maybe in the, in the order that it happens. But there are some things that I, I was sort of questioning too, like the very end of the trailer, not to jump too far ahead, but that's exactly <laughs> what I'm going to do, um, where, you know, all the dinosaurs are going off the edge of the cliff and Chris Pratt's character is running behind the uh, the gyrosphere and like the gyrosphere goes off the edge of the cliff and we don't see what happens to Pratt's character. But then earlier in the, tra- in the trailer, we see him open up the back of that um, shipping container and Rexy is in there. And it, like to me, that has to take place after the yeah. uh, the cliff jump moment or whatever. Yeah. So like there's a lot of sort of, um, yeah, chronology issues that I'm not entirely certain are going to appear in that order in the actual movie. But I feel like they're just trying to to save that as like the big, you know, holy crap moment at the end of the trailer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's sort of what I, I was yeah. thinking about. I that. think didn't you compare it to like um, um, Mission Impossible, right? When he's in the yeah. uh, the the what is it, the uh, sandstorm? Yeah, it yeah, had a lot of like, that. Almost in like Raiders. an like an inverse of uh, of Batman versus Superman, like Ben Affleck running into this <laughs> massive cloud of dust, and like yeah, and in yeah, Mission Impossible, yeah. I think it was Ghost Protocol. It's like Ethan Hunt is getting overwhelmed by the sandstorm, and it's like that's an image that we've seen a lot, you yeah. know, repeated in 
Um, and I think it might even happen to Tom Cruise again in The Mummy, if I remember right. I'm not sure. <laughs> that's, but, a, that's a safe assumption. Tom just, I mean, he runs. That has to be in yeah. his contract that he has to run <laughs> as rigidly as possible. And I think yeah. he copied his run. At one point, he, he was running very silly, like down the hill, sort of like Indiana Jones. But then that, that other part, when he's consumed by the smoke, it's like he's straight up Tom Cruise running. Yeah, he's pumping it there for sure. <laughs> but yeah, and actually I think in that behind-the-scenes clip, we do see the gyrosphere in the water and then somebody diving in, which I think is, is him. So okay. yeah, it's safe yep. to assume he jumps in there. And But yeah, you're right. I don't get the chronology there because they're dry. They're perfectly dry in uh, in that shipping container, whatever, whatever that ship is. Mm-hmm. And um, at one point, the dock's exploding. They're running down the dock, and you're assuming they go from the dock to that boat. But like, how did I don't know? It's like all over the place. It's one of those answers. I just I can't wait to find out what happens there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's people are just assuming this is the whole. This is it. This is the whole movie. This is the climax of the movie. Uh, it's not true, but uh, that's what they're telling people. You know, that's that's what they're showing via this trailer. Right. Yeah. So I'm interested in in what um, what they're holding back from us because those are like some pretty big moments and that they showed in that trailer. And that's just the first trailer. You know, like there, yeah. there's a lot more that they have to unveil um, as far as like the sheer amount of footage that they're going to release before the movie comes out. So I'm curious if it's going to. Um, if they're going to use that cliff jump sequence as like the big hook that is at the end of every trailer, or if they are going to dip into, um, you know, scenes and sequences that are in uh, different parts of the movie, you know, but the back half of the movie, for example, um, and just sort of hint at them without fully giving things away. But I, I think they would be smart to try to condense all of the marketing stuff to what's in the first hour and just leave the whole back half of the movie to be discovered by the fans and, and people that way. Um, yeah. cause the, the images are big enough and, and blockbustery enough to sell the movie on their own, you know, basically based on what we've seen thus far. So I, I would love, you know, as somebody who writes about movies for a living, but also tries to avoid watching as many trailers as possible, just because I love the experience of going into a, mu- a movie pure and, and sort of seeing, I, I typically watch like the first trailer for a movie and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, consume all of the TV spots <laughs> and, and all that stuff, you know, five or six trailers. Like I'm not into that because I just, I like uh, watching a movie and then like sort of forgetting about what I saw in the trailer and then, um, you know, experiencing it all in context. So uh, from that standpoint, I would love it if they just sort of uh, recycled a lot of the stuff that we've seen before, maybe added a couple moments here and there, um, you know, for sort of uh, connecting the dots between those scenes yeah. Um, and just, yeah, drawing the line right there. But um, that, would, that would be my ideal marketing campaign for them. But I'm not sure if that's what's going to happen or not. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's funny because like you see the trailer and you're like, wow, these are some pretty big moments that uh, they're supposedly giving away like the Rex just demolishing that Carnotaur and then screaming in front of the, the mountain as it's blowing up. Like that's like an iconic image that you, you would assume you would save that for the film. So I wonder like how much of this is, is actually a big moment or not in the film or, you know, maybe they'll take the rogue one route and not even include half this stuff yeah, in the, in the yeah. movie. I'm not really sure. Uh, do you think they <laughs> gave away too much though? Um, you know, that moment that you're specifically talking about that hero shot of, of the T-Rex, uh, roaring, I was like, man, I know fans would have loved to see, to have seen this, you know, in context, in the movie, in the theater for the first time. Like that, that was the moment where I was like, 
where I had the thought of like, oh man, they might be giving away a little bit too much. And then I saw that tweet and I was like, okay, if it's in the first hour, then it's it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, because if that was in the if that was like one of the last moments in the movie, then <laughs> yes, of course that would definitely be like you know way too much too yeah. soon. But uh, but yeah, I think I think they're probably okay. And and like I said, you know they they sort of I, I can see why they're doing it from a marketing perspective. They have to have a couple of big holy crap moments to to sell um you know to sell people on getting you know it's becoming more and more difficult to convince people to go out to a theater and see movies these days so they got to do something to um to sort of generate whatever they can and and i don't blame them for for showing that so i think that's uh, it's it seems like it might be too much but i'm hoping that by the time all is said and done we'll like look back on it and be like okay that was that was fine yeah i hope so man because it just seemed like so much and and uh but yeah, like like we keep saying, it's only the first half of the movie, which I mean, I don't want to see the whole first half either. But um, you know, at least they're saving something. But at the same time, I, it makes me question: like, is that a good tactic if they just stick with the first half? Because like some of these 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 quotes here, like Michael Bay with dinosaurs, that's what it seems like. You know, it's explosions, it's dinosaurs, it's a lot of that. And if people get the sense that that's all it is, is that a good tactic? I, I'm not really right. sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, man, yeah, it's it's a tough one. Uh, I, I don't envy the marketing people who are having to make these decisions. And I certainly don't envy Bayona and, and the people who because a lot of times directors don't have um, much say over what gets released beforehand, you know, like special special cases. I think like David Fincher um, had, you know, creative control over the marketing campaign for the girl with the dragon tattoo a few years ago. Um, and so he had, you know, he was like very integral in, in what went out. And I think, um, Ryan Johnson for star Wars, the last Jedi was able to, uh, assert some sort of influence over, you know, saying, okay, you can't show anything from these scenes. So I wonder if Bayona is a guy who has that level of, uh, of pull with the studios at this stage in his career. I know he's made a, a handful of movies so far, but I'm not sure if he has a hit on the level of, um, you know, Fincher or, or Ryan Johnson to be able to, uh, to sort of, um, stand up for himself in that way. Uh, but yeah, well, that'll be something to, something to track as, as we yeah. go along. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Cause I feel like Jurassic world, the marketing on that just like gave away so much, you know, all the, you know, a lot of the dinosaurs were shown right away and, you know, you knew a, a ton, I feel like about that movie going in. I feel like they're going to, you know, they, they got it right you know, apparently last time they did all the right moves, you know, to make that one of the biggest movies of all time, crazily. Uh, I mean, nobody expected that. So I, I just, I don't know. Do you feel like, um, you know, even after all the backlash of Colin Trevorrow and Claire's character and film Twitter, do you feel like it's going to have the same impact this time around? I'm not so sure. Um, I don't know if it'll make this, I don't think it'll make the same amount of money, but I do think it'll be surprising how much money it ends up making because I think, you know, film Twitter, it's, it's easy to sort of get sucked into all that, but like, I don't remember what the actual numbers are, but the, the overall number of Twitter users is like super small in compared, you know, compared to like yeah. Facebook or, or any of the other social network and the major social networks. So it's easy to sort of get sucked into this echo chamber where mm-hmm. you're you're hearing, you know, the same, let's call it 50 people, you know, espouse the same theories over and over again. So you sort of feel like, oh, that's what the uh, critical consensus on this is. 
or that's what the cultural consensus on this is. But that's really not the case. It's just a, it's a very small vocal amount of people. And, and so I think um, with Jurassic World having made as much money as it did, it proved that there was definitely a an interest from general audiences in seeing a huge, you know, big scale um Jurassic action movie again and I, so I think it's it's sort of their movie to screw up at this point you know I, I I don't know if it will make the same amount that uh Jurassic World did just because the curiosity factor is sort of has sort of been removed because you know a big part of that movie's success I think was oh we haven't seen a Jurassic uh, Park movie in a long time we you know this is like a whole new kind of thing um, the nostalgia was like a big deal on, on that movie. So, and this is only two years later, so there hasn't been enough time to sort of drive that, uh, that aspect, that component, uh, back up in audiences. So I, I wonder if, um, you know, families are going to get together and go out and see the sequel in the same way that they did with Jurassic world. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point with the families. I don't know, you know, if, if it's just going to be, action and chaos maybe they might not show up but i mean that you got to expect something like that with a jurassic movie <laughs> right um so let's uh, yeah let's continue with the marketing tactics because i thought it was interesting like i mean we were all blown away with how crazy uh universal handled it this time around i mean they've they've for sure never given so much love to a movie i feel like uh, maybe even movies in general but um we started off with like this initial teaser that leaked early and it confused everybody. Everybody thought this stuff was going to, you know, show up a week early. Um, right. But then it actually came out, you know, Sunday Night Football. Then periodically throughout the week, we had, like, all these short teasers. Um, we saw, oh, man, they they were, like, shining, like, the bat signal on buildings across the world. It was, like, yeah. crazy. Um, and then we had that behind-the-scenes video, which came before the trailer, for some reason, I'm not sure, but it, yeah, I mean, and then we had the trailer. So what do you think, you know, do you agree with the tactic of like overloading everybody all at once? Or do you think that was a smart move or no? Man, it did seem like a lot. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, I remember um, it's, I mentioned Star Wars a minute ago. I think uh, they did something similar where they released a behind the scenes featurette, but it was sort of in place of a trailer, if I remember right, um, for The Force yeah. Awakens. And I think they've probably done it for The Last Jedi as well, where that's like a part of their long term um, marketing technique. And like all these featurettes, you know, I was just like doing a, a search on the, the back end of the archives of SlashFilm.com and looking for featurettes because I was wondering about that. And it, it it seems like, you know, I'm looking right now and there's like It, uh, Baby Driver, Dunkirk, Valerian. All these movies have featurettes, but they tend to be released around the release of the movie itself, not around the release of a trailer. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's generally those are used to sort of, uh, you know, get people over the hump or like, you know, um, enhance somebody's understanding of a movie um, right around the time when they can actually buy tickets to it. But dropping a featurette like that, a behind the scenes video, and then the trailer in what, a week, a couple days of each other, seems like it might have been a little bit of overkill, especially with uh the that vocal segment of of twitter and and all that like i was talking about having sort of a, a back uh, backlash on the original jurassic world it seemed like um those are the people who are spreading 
these videos and and sort of the cultural gatekeepers almost the people who are letting general audiences know about this movie so it may have been smarter to uh pump the brakes a little bit um but i guess they you know they they have all sorts of uh numbers you know they're crunching numbers left and right trying to figure out what the best way to you know get the these things in front of the most people are and so they they have people who are smarter than me who are running these marketing (laughs) marketing teams and all that stuff so i'm sure they know uh, what they're doing to some degree, but, um, you know, on, on the outside looking in, it, it certainly, certainly did seem like, uh, they were, <laughs> yeah, maybe pushing it a little too hard at this stage in the game. Cause like I said, we still have, what is it? Six, seven months or something before, uh, the film comes out. So it's, it's going to be a little while and there's plenty of time to sort of create a sustained sense of interest, but it seemed like they're sort of blowing it all right now. And then, you know, who knows what they're going to do for the second trailer release. I know. Yeah, I am. I have no idea what they have planned at all. I mean, I never would have expected so much promotion in, in one week. Uh, it was crazy. And um, I think it was at it was at the moment, like the middle of the week where I was like, I think everybody forgot that they didn't like Jurassic World. <laughs> all of a sudden I'm like, wow, people really love this. Then the trailer hit. It, it backed off a little bit. But um, showing that behind the scenes uh, before the trailer, I feel like everybody in, in this community was at least like, oh, I guess I don't even need to see a trailer anymore. <laughs> that was Yeah, there enough. was so much footage in there, too. It was it was surprising how much, you know, because a lot of times they just do quick little things where it's like fun with the actors where, you know, they're in between takes. But they they sort of um, like went out of their way to highlight a lot of action and, and even some lines that didn't show up in the real trailer, which uh, I was surprised about. Yeah, yeah. Um, And yeah, definitely parts of the second half of the movie were in there. So you can kind of take what you will from it. But there's a lot in there that you can sift through. And at this point, six and a half months away, I'm like, I think I already know the entire movie. (laughs) It's it's funny. (laughs) Like, I I can kind of piece it together based off of like what I know from the production and stuff like that. And also what they showed in these teasers and uh, behind the scenes and stuff. So it's really, really, really interesting. Um, man, what was it? Um, Jeff, yeah, Jeff Goldblum had a line in there, something about oh, "I'm here again" talking about dinosaurs. Like, yeah, it, it was awesome, and that was one of the things that really surprised me was showing him before the trailer. I thought he would be like this major reveal because we obviously knew he was in the movie, but we hadn't seen anything—no pictures, nothing, no videos—and mm-hmm. that was the first time we saw him. I was like, oh. Real, that's where you're going to show them. That's where you're showing because that's what everybody wants to see. Let's face it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm like, uh, I actually listened to your episode where you guys like broke down and analyzed the trailer and, and uh, you know, the theory that Goldblum might be the bad guy in this movie is a fascinating one because I sort of read the his comments as, um, you know, he him being the guy who implies that yeah, all these dinosaurs should probably die because uh, humanity, you know, is uh, if we're not careful, they're going to be here after us. So like, I, I I read it as him being okay with letting nature take its course uh, in that way. Um, so I'm interested. Do you think that that uh, Doctor Ian Malcolm is going to be the the full on human villain of uh, of Fallen Kingdom? <laughs> I don't know, man. That is a good point. And I, you know, I was kind of confused at first. I didn't know how to take it. You know, I, I at first was like, man, what side is he on? But then I just, you know, I thought about it in a little bit and I'm like, yeah, he's definitely, 
on the side of I thought you know I thought for some reason that he would switch sides due to um, interviews and stuff like that that he had talked about previously I was like oh maybe he's on the other side maybe he's about saving these dinosaurs and not that it's like any kind of canon or anything but uh uh, you know, months back, Loot Crate even did like uh, a fun little video where they were talking about saving the dinosaurs and they had, uh, what was his name? Piot, um, I can't remember his last name, but he did like a, a Jeff Goldblum voice or Ian Malcolm voice. <laughs> and it was all about saving the dinosaurs. And I'm like, yeah, that's a nice little tie in there. But I wonder if that's the route they'll go. And I don't think so anymore. I mean, that's a good point. You know, if he's going to be the villain, like, Maybe not the straight up villain or, you know, Jurassic really doesn't have villains per se. I right. feel like they have characters that have like bad intentions and, and stuff like that. But uh, that would be really interesting because here's a, here's a character we know, we love, we, a lot of us love him. I've, I've seen a few that actually dislike him, but which is weird. Oh man, but, he's um, the best. He is. He really is just on and off the screen. He's the same guy, right? I mean, it's <laughs> funny. And, and that one point somebody made on that, I think that episode was like, he seems so different than he has in the past few years, whether it was um, Independence Day or even Thor. He was he's very Jeff Goldblumy in those movies. And here he's so different. He's, he's definitely darker and and older looking. And, you know, he's got that beard and even his voice sounds so different. I was kind of like caught off guard by how like almost out of breath he sounded like he just didn't have it in him anymore. He's yeah, like, yeah. he's like definitely arguing. a guy who's been who's seen a lot, who's sort of been worn down. And you get the sense that he's been having these conversations, you know, for the past 20 years or whatever. And he's just sort of almost he's like done with it. Um, but yeah, the the idea that he's like all dressed in black and, and all that. And yeah, the idea of like him being a villain, I didn't mean uh, I only mean that in so far as maybe he's um, his mentality is the opposite of uh, of Claire's mentality of like saving the dinosaurs and like yeah. uh, who knows maybe maybe there could be a situation where this happens obviously in the first hour of the movie and then uh, maybe he meets up with Claire maybe he finds out about her um, her particular the dinosaur protection group maybe he uh, you know maybe he switches. Uh, sides uh later in the movie or something that we haven't seen maybe this is like a deliberate um ploy from the marketing campaign to sort of make us think that he's the villain but he's not actually so i would not put that past them either yeah i i could hope so i mean i hope he's in more than that scene because by the way it sounds it's like a cameo everybody keeps saying cameo or small but impactful or something like that so yeah it'll be really interesting i hope it is more than that courtroom scene um, but you know, I'm going to cherish anything I can get from him because every movie he's in, I'm like, I, I just need to see it because of him. Like, he's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that, it, that would be a, like a crazy dilemma if he was just like even an opposition in any sort. I don't know how mm-hmm. I would feel about that. And I think it's fair to say that he's kind of always been the opposition, not necessarily too, too bad or anything, but he's always been opposed to every idea, but he always gets himself involved somehow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into some of those concepts because there was a lot of stuff in that trailer that, or even the behind the scenes stuff that was revealed and, uh, different things, articles throughout the week. Um, we did learn about that dinosaur protection group that Claire has founded. Um, so she's taken an, an initiative here. You know, she's somebody who, uh, didn't necessarily care before, you know, she barely knew the names of dinosaurs. It seemed like she didn't care about like anything. It seemed like in, in the first movie, but now she's she's serious. She's you know founded this group. Um, she's got a few team members. It looks like going to uh, rescue these dinosaurs. It almost is like the inverse of the Lost World in a way. Similar story, but inverse in a way. Um, 
and we, I guess we did kind of see that that um, you know protection group play out in the trailer a little bit with with all that crew. She looks like she got some military people or at least maybe ingen uh you know soldiers i don't really know they look very similar to those ingen soldiers from the last movie um but what do you think about this group i mean we learned a little bit i think from article uh, ew.com and actually the viral site is up now i don't know if you saw that but oh no uh, i haven't yeah the dinosaur protection group website i think it might be just dinosaurprotectiongroup.com don't quote me on that but you know they've got (laughs) twitter instagram you know uh Facebook now, and there's like a nice image of Claire in a classroom with Justice Smith's character and Daniela Pineda's character. Um, so there's that. Um, and yeah, the website, you can sign up, uh, put your name and email. And I guess, you know, at some point they'll contact you with some some way to help save these dinosaurs. Um, nice. What do you think about that group? So I, I think thematically it makes sense um, for for Claire to undergo that transformation. Um, because I think the, the moment in Jurassic world where she, I forget what species of dinosaur you'll probably know off the top of your head, but where it's like the moment in Jurassic world where she and Chris Pratt's character come across the, um, the practical effect. Yes. Yes. So, uh, that moment seems to have a big impact on her. And, and that was like a, a turning point for her character. So I can see how this, you know, her starting this group and, and sort of um, wanting to protect these these creatures is the logical extension of of that uh, character turn that we saw in that movie. Right. But mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm you know, so from a thematic level, I think it makes sense from a practical level. I'm not really uh, sold on it. And I don't know if you've seen this uh, going around making the rounds, but I think it was Screen Crush's Matt Singer that said, uh, after the Jurassic World 2 synopsis started going around, why would you save, why would you care about saving these dinosaurs if you could just make more dinosaurs? <laughs> so, like, the idea of um, of this movie being this sort of al- uh, animal rights allegory, uh, it, it doesn't have the same impact when you can just recreate <laughs> uh, the, the animals that you're trying to protect. You know, there, there's like a little bit of a disconnect there, I think, in like the reality of what they're trying to do. And then thematically and, and you know, from a character standpoint, what they're trying to to do with Claire's character there. But, um, but I, you know, I, I think there's potential for it to be okay. Uh, sometimes as long as the movie is fun and, and, you know, uh, paced well and makes sense in context with itself sometimes you can forgive stuff like that that you know and and relegate those sorts of comments to just being like nitpicks after the fact and it it doesn't really bother you when you're watching the actual movie so personally that's what i'm hoping happens here because i want to really like this movie um i just uh am i still need a little bit of convincing uh based on the trailer that i've seen so far yeah, you know, in the beginning, she tries to con Chris uh, or Owen, I guess, if you want to call him that, um, mm-hmm. tries to con him to the island by, you know, using Blue as a tactic. And she seems like such a different person, like we were talking about through the outfit, through this whole protection group. I'm really interested to see what Justice Smith and Daniela Pineda do. Um, but yeah, I mean, should these dinosaurs be saved it is like a really great question. And uh, you're right, that scene where they come across the dying Apatosaurus, that, that is the, the complete 180 scene for her because now she sees them as real animals. Before, they were probably just genetic creations to her or something you know mm-hmm. she didn't really care about. But now they're real animals. And I think that's where 
that um, logic comes in. And, I, you know, after Malcolm's been in this situation and, and he doesn't care. So I could see him being opposed, you know, to saving dinosaurs and what it entails if we just let them roam free and the world becomes a different place after that. But in terms of her, after seeing that and making the eye contact with that dinosaur, she now sees them as animals. And, you know, it got me thinking, like, you know, if there's – you know, uh, a zoo on the edge of a, a volcano in some, you know, some country or some place. Like, I think, you know, you would try to save those animals first, right? You wouldn't just let this volcano erupt and, you know, kill all, all the animals. That would be inhumane, right? I would feel like. Right, yeah. But, I think I think there's that. And, and I think the, the idea of there being a zoo where the animals that are in there are extinct or, or um, you know, hard to come by or... Uh, uh, rare animals in any way, you know, tigers and, you know, where there's only a limited number of them left on the planet is, is the difference because when you have the technology to just be able to, uh, create more of them instantly, then that's where it, it comes, you know, cause, cause you're not really, um, the idea of losing them doesn't really have the same impact as it would if you're losing a bald eagle where like you can't, you can't really, uh, use that same technology in the same way um yeah. to to recreate those creatures but i i don't know i mean I, that's like one of the complaints that i've seen going around uh about that movie and like i said it doesn't really bother me that much but the yeah. i mean i guess sort of on that same topic though that's one of the things that i was surprised that wasn't in the fallen kingdom trailer was the idea of uh you know hybrids and genetic uh you know recreations and all that stuff that that i thought was going to be the centerpiece of this movie they didn't even touch on it at all yeah. in that first trailer what do you think about that well, yeah, I think they're just saving something. You know, I think that's what it comes down to. But that is very true. And I I, I think it just boils down to them not wanting to maybe spoil the second half, I guess. Um, because I think those things will be there. Um, they made such a big deal of it. And they made, uh, you know, specifically a big deal um, with Vic Hoskins with uh, Owen Grady there talking about the military and training these things for battle and all that stuff and creating the most efficient version that they could. I don't think that concept's dead. I think they're going to continue on with that. We've heard rumors about stuff like that. So I think it's a huge possibility that they're just saving it for some reason. Because like I said, the Indominus Rex was one that they just, they blew it right off the bat. I mean, I think it was like actually leaked via like party plates or something like that. Like it actually came out like before anything. So I guess they just don't want to, you know, do that. Hopefully they're taking that, um, you know, uh, Star Wars tactic where they're like, this is something we're not going to show, even though they did actually show it in the in the uh, behind the scenes. If you take a look, mm-hmm. it's actually in there. Um, but how they created yeah, and it, like Dr. Wu, you know, all yeah. of that stuff, too, like that, you know, he wasn't mentioned. None of the you know, that was like a big uh, a big thing at the end of Jurassic World was like him going off with the, you know, sort of saving the tech and Mizrani and all that stuff. And like none of that appears here. So I'm I'm just sort of surprised that. Um, those things that you would think would be like integral to the entire plot of the movie, not just dropped in the back half are, are just like vanished and not even mentioned. But, um, yeah. but yeah, maybe those are just things that, like you said, they're just trying to, to hold off and, and maybe the second trailer will go more into detail about like the actual story of the movie instead of just, 
the the you know one sentence premise where like mm-hmm. there's a volcano that's about <laughs> to go off and you got to save the dinosaurs like that's basically the, the the you know this whole trailer condensed into that sentence so yeah. <laughs> maybe the second trailer will uh will sort of uh give it a little bit of room to breathe a little yeah. bit what did he what did uh chris pratt said he's like uh what could possibly go wrong you know yeah <laughs> uh, of course we all know what could go wrong yeah. And I think I think he's just you know he's a jokester that I feel like people <laughs> took him way too seriously in the first movie. He's he's just a, like a a goofball, and, and I saw it in this trailer as well. So that's it's cool that they're they're continuing that trend as well. But uh, yeah, and and if you do pay attention to that behind the scenes, there's a lot of stuff. Um, whether it is like the second half or maybe hybrids, I don't know what their intentions are with that dinosaur that's you know teased in that behind the scenes stuff but um what was that what else was there yeah i don't know but um in in terms of like what where this story is going and uh stuff we saw a lot of concepts that we've seen before um whether it is taking these dinosaurs off the island or even specific shots like uh, very similar shots being like the uh, what is it, the airplane just very reminiscent of Jurassic Park three that compy that's with the toys in that in that beginning of the trailer you see it like kind of frozen there it's very reminiscent yeah, of Jurassic a, Park three great shot um, there's a lot of stuff you know whether it's the Lost World or Jurassic Park three which I'm I'm happy that they're including those tie-ins in a way because people for some reason still believe that those movies don't exist like they wrote them out for some reason but right. I, I feel like it's good to see that do you think it is too similar like people talked about with the force awakens do you think we'll get that complaint or no um no i don't think so and i think it's maybe because uh, maybe because i don't run in the circles where people are, are constantly talking about uh the lost world and jurassic park 3 like you guys do <laughs> yeah. you know you're you're like so immersed yeah, in that world and I, I think um, I think for the most part and not to like overgeneralize, but I think generally, <laughs> uh, the first Jurassic park is like held up as uh, a masterpiece as it should be. Yeah. And then, um, you know, generally it sort of drops off with the sequels a little bit until Jurassic world comes back around. I, I would have to check like the Rotten Tomatoes scores to see if like critically that, that is the same thing, but just sort of anecdotally from speaking with friends and family members and and you know people who are fans of blockbuster movies i think the the general perception is that like uh the lost world is like not quite as good it's like it has some good moments but it's like a little uh a little dumber than the original jurassic park and then like jurassic or jurassic park 3 is sort of like <laughs> the movie that people don't really even talk about yeah. uh, anymore at all so um jurassic world at least got people talking again so i i don't know if there's enough um uh I guess permeation, if that's a word, of the culture uh, for the for the Lost World and Jurassic Park three for people to even be able to remember or, or identify um, any similarities or, or sort of homages yeah. outside of you guys, the, yeah, the hardcore fans. <laughs> yeah, that that is a very good point, and like we were talking about before, just the average viewer is like fine with all the the you know Fallen Kingdom stuff, but. Yeah, I wonder how much people will care. Like, you know, Star Wars is obviously a much bigger franchise and everybody remembers those movies and cares about those movies. And uh, not everybody is in this. It's not the same level. But right. and like you said, The Lost World, for a lot of people, it drops off. I don't understand that. But um, Jurassic <laughs> Park 3, I totally understand why that happened. But um, I think The Lost World has actually aged a lot better for some people. But it it, it is it does take that you know, more 
big dumb action movie than Jurassic Park. You know, Jurassic Park was just it was something different completely. Like it's not even on the same level as a lot of that stuff filmmaking wise. So it, I can understand why people, you know, fall off the boat after that. It, it makes a lot of sense, but you know, people compare Jurassic World to the to Jurassic Park and I'm just like you you can't do that. You can't do it. Right. They're, they're made completely different. They're very different movies. They don't just they just don't make those kinds of movies anymore. You know, it, it's it's funny that people still compare like that, but uh, you know, we do a lot of uh, you know protecting of this the franchise in our our circles, so we try to oh yeah, you know, sure. we try to make people like you know you know act better towards some of these other movies. Jurassic Park three is understandable. I've come to um, appreciate it a lot more after actually after Jurassic World. I think there's a lot of good stuff that ties in there that people just didn't realize before, and maybe they did that on purpose maybe they tied some things together on purpose but or maybe not maybe it was just all coincidence (laughs) well that's interesting i haven't watched it since seeing jurassic world so i'll have to go back and check that out again and see uh sort of how it it works in the overall flow of things but yeah if you if um, you retcon a lot of things in your own mind you can see hints of them maybe like starting the whole hybrid dinosaur thing you know i mm -hmm. think a lot of people uh compare the spinosaurus to its real life counterpart which is very different animal you know it's not the same thing at all so i think a lot of people can kind of surmise that maybe this spinosaurus was the first attempt or one of many attempts or something like that you yeah know, you get these these um hatchery see or the, like the scene where they're going into the compound and it looks like there's a lot of testing and different things going on so you can kind of like surmise that maybe that was the first step but i don't know um and there's there might be a lot of that stuff actually in this movie that like we were talking about before has not even you know, scratch the surface and not in the trailer. Actually, uh, from the synopsis of the movie, which was, you know, just found online after the fact, uh, I want to read this part right here and see what you think about this. It says, Arriving on the unstable island as lava begins raining down, their expedition uncovers a conspiracy that could return our entire planet to a perilous order not seen since prehistoric times. Um, so yeah, we didn't see anything like that in the trailer. Do you have any theories on like what that conspiracy could be to, to take us back to the prehistoric times? Well, I, I wonder if it has to um, if it has to do with uh, Wu and and the genetic you know that aspect of things. And and I'm wondering if you know because you guys are, are so like into you know you're on the on the ground boots on the ground yeah. on this franchise all the time. <laughs> I'm sort of like spread across a million different franchises as I'm writing and stuff. So I I like try to do my deep dives where I can. But uh, I'm wondering if you think that this means that the dinosaurs are coming back to uh, like mainland America or like North America or somewhere that's, that's an inhabited place. That's not just another Island. Um, Do you think that that's what they're sort of hinting at? Is that like, if the dinosaurs, you know, make their way to uh, a big continent like that and then eventually take over, that could be that, uh, that sort of end game that they're hinting at there. Or do you think, it's going to be a little bit more contained than that. I mean, talking about uh, the lost world, like the the San Diego sequence, like <laughs> do you think we're, we're in for a, a repeat of that kind of thing with this film? I, I think so. I, I, I honestly do. I think um, like we talked about before with the behind the scenes featurette, if you pay attention there, there's a lot of stuff like there, the first shot actually of that featurette is like a very forested mountain with a mansion on it. And I think that's going to play a big role in the second half of the film. And at one point, you actually see um, 
Chris Pratt and the little girl that they showcased in that featurette dangling off, uh, you know, the mansion, it looks like. So there's a lot of that. You see um, Blue's head. Like they have this, um, you know, the head that they use for photography to like kind of adjust the lighting and stuff like that. They have Mm -hmm. that on steps that are very, you know, I don't know, granite or something. It looks like the steps of a mansion. So, mm. and and obviously there's that scene in the in the featurette where they're in that museum area, wherever that yes. is, and there's a dude like dying on the ground that gets pulled away like very horror, horror movie style. Yeah. So, um, I think it's it's guaranteed that somehow. But you think that's you think that mansion is on a it uh, is like you know in North America somewhere and not uh, on a secluded island. I don't know where it could be. I'm gonna assume it's gonna be in London somewhere because of uh, you know a lot of the production took place out there. And in in um, I think it was where did it uh, some article I read. I think it was on Independent. Um, they they mentioned that you know. Uh, the, the what, what's his name? I'm blanking on his name. The guy from Babe, he's in this. Oh, movie. James Cromwell. Yeah, James Cromwell. He he's uh, you know a, a, a friend of John Hammond's that they right. they formed all this stuff together, and I think he's probably going to be his home base is going to be in London somewhere. I would assume or or something like that. Um, European country for sure. <laughs> okay, um, cool. So yeah, I we'll think have to see. I think that's where that's going to go, and I don't know if I don't think it's going to be on the level of. The Lost World, where it's like rampaging. I think it's going to be much more intimate. And they've talked about how this movie goes from like it kind of like I guess you would say like a, a triangle. It kind of goes up and then back down again. And you know, it's it's got a, a more intimate ending than than you'd expect. I think so. I think mm-hmm. it's all going to take place there. But uh, whether you know how much how many dinosaurs you know go free or go anywhere, right. you you might have to look look at the. Um, the uh, the the list of actors on IMDb and just take a look. You know, I, I, it's obviously not the most accurate thing in the world, but look at some of those uh, titles that they have there. Very interesting tidbits you can surmise from that. Um, nice. But yeah, I think I think that's where it's going to go. And wh- whatever this conspiracy is, I I'm not too sure. I I wonder if it has something to do with the volcano itself because we're all wondering why they built a theme park on a volcano, like an island that's you know, going to erupt at any moment. Uh, right. We were wondering that, but, you know, I'm, I've got this theory that, like, you know, I don't know, somebody, I, I like, did some research on geothermic power because <laughs> that's how they run this island, right? So I think maybe maybe they were messing with that somehow, but that doesn't really explain the, you know, taking our entire planet to a perilous order not seen since prehistoric times. I don't know. But, yeah, uh, I think that just that must mean that sentence must mean that like the dinosaurs uh, get out of control somehow. They escape yeah. and like you know the theory is that they could take over eventually it, and, is, and sort of return us back to the old <laughs> the old era. Now, is that okay to you after the Planet of the Apes series? Like, because it would be so similar, right? Um, I I would be okay with that. Yeah, I would love that as a third movie. If that's how if that's how Fallen Kingdom ends with uh you know almost like i know we've mentioned star wars a bunch but almost like an empire strikes back <laughs> like a, a cliffhanger sort of uh down you know uh, like a dark ending where uh hope is there but it's it's far from a sure thing for our heroes and like dinosaurs are running rampant and like the whole third movie is them having to deal with the consequences of that and like maybe try to round some up or hunt some down or 
just learn to live uh, and, and coexist with them if that's even possible yeah. in, in some way. Like, I feel like there's a lot there that they could do. Um, I mean, obviously, that's jumping way ahead because we barely know, <laughs> you know, we've only seen the first trailer for this movie. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of potential there if they were to if they were to go in that direction. Yeah. And I think it all falls on Ian Malcolm, really. Like, look, his his line in the first movie, boy, do I hate being right all the time. It's happened, and he's been right every single time. And if he's yeah. the one in this courtroom or wherever he is, if he's saying, like, you know, we got to be careful with how, how this turns out because they might be here after us, I think he's going to be right. I think I think that's what it comes down to. He's going to be right again. And it's yeah, and and ultimately that would sort of validate the uh, the thematic message of the very first movie. You know, like we we tampered with something that we shouldn't have as a species, and now we're going to pay the price for it. I mean, I realize it's like a bleak ending, especially for <laughs> yeah. a franchise that's so mainstream. Yeah. Um. But like, if the third movie ended that way, I would I would kind of be thrilled with like <laughs> you know the, the dinosaurs uh, taking over and like ascending to the top of the food chain again and humanity being scattered to the winds and and all of that like it sounds bleak but i i think i would love what that says about um you know the messaging there and 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 the lessons that we need to learn and these lessons you know from the original jurassic park are still relevant right now yeah um these are things that we are still talking about as a as a society not just with uh with cloning and all that but like with climate change and everything else you know there's a, there's a lot of um of relevant stuff in that movie that still is is very much on the forefront of cultural conversations that were happening that are happening in 2017 so i, I would love to see um some filmmaker make a big statement uh, a big closing statement to round out that trilogy um as a way to as like a warning to humanity like pay attention look at you know this is obviously an exaggerated version but this is what could happen to us yeah well dude this has been an absolute blast i really enjoyed having you on the show here but come on look that smoke is traveling really fast and it is starting to get a little dark over here so why don't we head out but before we do why don't you just let everybody know where they can find you Sure. Yeah. I'm on Twitter at Ben Pears. Uh, I'm writing every day at SlashFilm.com and you can hear me on the SlashFilm Daily podcast, which is on iTunes, Overcast, all the popular podcast apps. Um, we basically just do a daily roundup of all the best uh, movie news and TV news stories that, uh, that you can find on SlashFilm.com. Yes, I do. I love that show a lot. It's awesome. Cool. Thanks, man. Well, safe travels, my friend. Let's get out of here. All right. Thanks for having me. Make sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast, and of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Thanks for listening to the 129th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, a big thanks to Ben for joining me here today to discuss a trailer that I swear we won't be talking about this for the next six months. I swear. We, we do have a ton of great content lined up for the new year, I promise. 
But today, I think we covered some of the most interesting points that people have been discussing online about the trailer. Now, don't miss Ben on SlashFilm.com, writing articles, and on the podcast SlashFilmDaily. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter, at Ben Pears. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast. And our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, Podomatic, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. We're usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you can submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening and enjoy. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.